Yeah, dude. We're we're both on the edge of our seats right now. I can tell. <laughs> I mean, I am leaned all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically, I'm on the my edge. ass on the edge of the seat. <laughs> I'm leaned back so far, my ass is. Is on this the edge too of much seat. for you? Do we need to? No, we're good. I mean, dude. we. Do, I don't we're think we right I don't now. think we need to open up with. So, what the fuck is up? <laughs> 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 but we just did. Let's live from the, the studio. Let's <laughs> dive in. I'm Jimmy Seleski. Tonight on the cast, we got. Uh, current drummer of Thunder Club? Question mark. <laughs> For now, I John guess Burkhart? we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely the current drummer of uh, sophomore though, which is fun. We just got done rehearsal. Nice. That was big time. It was fun. big time. Hell yeah, it's sick. Yeah, nice. dude, you guys just had some recent uh, developments unfold last Friday. You guys unfortunately got rid of uh, Garrett, the lead singer. Yeah. Well, it was well you guys didn't. Did you guys get rid of him, or did I thought everything was still the same? But he just lived in New York. Yeah, when we when he moved to New York, we were all kind of like we're all gonna make it work, and it just didn't. So we're gonna take it like day by day. And right now, um, we wish Garrett the best of luck yeah. in New York, yeah. practicing mm-hmm. law for sure. And uh, I'm sure he's going to find another project to... Yeah, to I shouldn't have phrased it that way. That was on me. I should not have said got rid no. of Garrett. No, no. I think uh, <laughs> the whole situation with that, the fact that he is moving up to New York to pursue his uh, uh, work career... Yeah, I it, think what Jimmy meant to say is Garrett dropped you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dropped his But it's, it's a difficult <laughs> thing, and I think it was ultimately an, inevitabli- an inevitability. When you have someone living that far away... When you're and you guys are obviously you guys you guys are doing shit you know you guys are playing a lot of shows you have a new EP on the way and it's tough when you have somebody living three and a half hours away uh, to organize rehearsals and things like that. Yeah, well, Dennis, it Dennis lives in New York. He lives on Long Island. Oh shit! Currently, yeah. did and he he's move been already? It work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he lived in Lancaster, but I think it was a little bit easier because he was already so far away. So yeah, yeah. having Dennis move a little bit further but still far enough away to make it to the point where like we're now figuring out how hard it is to organize from like s- that far away yeah so and like you said dennis is already used to it yeah yeah you know? and he can he d- i like kudos to him for driving because mm-hmm. it's far i mean that's Without traffic, six hours round trip. Have you guys considered meeting in the middle ever for rehearsal? Yeah, we've talked about it, like doing like Philly or something, and um, and that or uh, finding a rehearsal space in New York. So and yeah. another thing to consider too is, uh, you know, Dennis moved up there for different reasons than Garrett did. Garrett moved up there because he had like you know he's becoming a lawyer mm-hmm. for God's sakes, and so Dennis is kind of just, you know, he's in New York, but he's not loaded down with I imagine the same amount of uh. What's the word I'm looking for? Workload. Workload. Yeah. You know? He's um he's working up there now. He was uh fun employed for a while, uh-huh. as he calls it. <laughs> so um he's his uh his girlfriend moved up there to work um after they were living in Lancaster and then he followed soon after and um was looking for work, found work and um yeah, he's not as like I guess tied to the job as much as Garrett is. I mm-hmm. mean, being a lawyer is a pretty yeah big obligation to have. So um, Dennis is going to be 
back and forth and we're just going to try and make it work. I mean, Pete has like the craziest schedule. He works like 12 hours a day. But he has a Thunderclub tattoo, so it's impossible. Yeah, he's literally yeah, he can't. It's impossible for him. He's he, done. Yeah, like even if we broke up, he'd be like, "Well, I'm still in Thunderclub. I have yeah, to be I in Thunderclub." Yeah. How else am I going to explain this? If he's going to cover it up, he's literally just going to have to get like a rectangle on his <laughs> forearm. It's just going to be a cover up, and it's just going to be like a rectangle. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you don't have to dive in. Uh, to, uh, Dennis is uh, planning on stepping up to take over the uh, lead lead vocals role. Yep. Uh, in Garrett's stead. Yeah, I think we're all going to take the leap, and um, I'm going to start singing. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be good. But You're singing from the drums? I, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, that's when, sick. when bands have a drummer that sings, it, it changes the game for me. I love that shit. Yeah. Like the Eagles, Don Henley? Come on. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah, who else? Um, but can you sing is a question. I've never heard you sing. I can sing. Really? Yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm not gonna do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> Never. We've, no one's ever heard you sing. Are you sure you can sing? I can sing. I can do. Uh, There's all a little the hesitation. There. <laughs> I, I can sing. I can sing like. I know. I I get all the notes that I need to hit. I just. It's never been something that I've like. Pursued. Gone out of my way mm-hmm. to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I can do it, and I've gone through enough music theory to understand what notes are right and what are wrong yeah and i get all the scales and stuff like Mm. that so like it makes sense it's just uh i haven't actually done it but i know i can do it and it's just part of like it's just part of the musical process you just kind of sort of learn the language and just Mm -hmm. work on it so i don't know we'll see how it goes you became the lead singer thunder club that would be that would be a (laughs) <laughs> unbelievable development. That'd be absolutely That'd be crazy. Maybe I'll write some like Octopus's Garden <laughs> thing. <laughs> and you obviously don't have to get too far into it, you know, because I understand there's with any time somebody leaves a band and there's conflicts of interest and complications in that department. But you guys had recorded uh, a batch of three uh, songs, which I helped do the demos for. Yeah, which were really solid tracks. I really dug them. Thank you. And uh, you recorded those with Sean Mercer down at Mobtown, right? You did yes. And. Uh, Obviously, I think those are gonna have to be put on the shelf for a while as well. Yeah, we're gonna um, put those away for a little bit and uh, work on new stuff and um, just try and like rework our sound. Uh, I think Dennis wants to get used to being able to play guitar and sing lead. Yeah. But um, Dennis was like, he's ready, man. Dennis is a good singer. Yeah, yeah I always is. said that. Uh, like when we were doing the demos, and he voice. always had like the you know the background. I was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're good. like we're we're ready to like move onward and upward and um, make more music and play more shows and as of right now we're just kind of like in that rebuilding phase so for the first time in a long time we don't have anything on the horizon. Yeah. Um, I think we're just gonna take it slow and look towards like next year and and. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. Because I feel like in any of those situations, I think when you have a group of guys playing music together, it's really important, in my opinion, unless everybody is on the very exact same page, I feel like you kind of do need certain things on the horizon just to keep, you know what I'm saying? Yes, like you, totally, yeah. Like, you just just to keep it, like, that people still feel like it's a thing. Yeah, the yeah fact we're still a band. Yeah, the yeah. fact that we don't have anything on the horizon, I think everybody gets that like we don't have anything to do so what do we have to practice for yeah kind of mentality yeah. and i think it 
it's um I don't want to say it's contagious, but it it's like that snowball effect where it's like, okay, yeah, like we're gonna get together. Like you mm-hmm. say that, and it's yeah. like, well, when and like what for? And I think yeah. everybody, including myself, is kind of like it's backburner shit, and it needs to be like we need something to look forward to. So um, I've already started like asking about for either late late 2019 or like moving towards 2020 and putting together shows so like we have some fucking fire under our asses i honestly don't like like uh for instance like while we're talking about it you know you and i and joe have been rehearsing all of our original songs every week and we have yet to play an original show there's none of that on the horizon it's just a just a thing like you know in the future at some point but we have the advantage of having gigs like The Point and The Horse every now and then and mm-hmm. High Tops and just random shit that's just like, okay, well, we're still playing together, you right. know? And so I don't necessarily th- think it would be a bad idea, even though I know some of the guys in, in Thunder Club feel differently about playing cover gigs and shows like that than I do. Um, but just to have just to have something that you guys are playing together, you know, just to play at a bar somewhere or something like that. And yeah. then, and then that way, you know, it gets you guys back in the. It gets you guys in a. Uh, it's in like a routine. Yeah, yeah and and, exactly. and 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 a way to kind of experiment with how your new lineup is going to sound on stage without the pressure of having sold tickets and being on a bill with a band, and it's the first time you guys have played out in public since you, uh, you know, basically changed the entire dynamic of the lineup. Right. You know, yeah. so I don't think it would be a, a terrible idea to do that. But obviously, you know, everybody has their own opinions on that. Yeah, I think that's mainly me who for the longest time it's i mean we have talked about it where it's kind of like you have two roots and yeah you can kind of like walk a fine line of both but one route is doing the cover gig thing playing like in baltimore the horse or any fucking bar it doesn't really matter and doing a three-hour cover gig and like getting your chops up that way and peppering in uh uh originals Mm -hmm. here and there the downside or like the risk of doing that is like when you play your originals people are like you've played five or six songs that people know and like jam out to when they're drunk yeah and they're yelling like the killers and all that (laughs) bullshit and then you start playing your song and people are like oh this is time for me to go to the bar and get a beer Yeah. yeah and it's like that's the risk you take and like sometimes people are like fuck it like i'm gonna hang out and like listen to this and jam out and like it's worked mm-hmm. and yep. it's worked and then i've seen it not work yeah um and for the majority of uh playing in bars it's it's usually not worked <laughs> actually i think the first time like uh when we played the new song we were working on at the point or actually i think the first time we did it was at the horse it, on like yeah, a labor day sunday and, yeah it was you and me and uh it people really dug it and that was the first time when that's ever that's the first time i've ever played an original song on stage people liked not like like that people were like uh it was good but like yeah yo that was good yeah you know like like it rocked it got people moving and dancing and stuff and so but you know it depends on what you're looking for out of that you know it depends what's up oh you're getting thinking i just realized Oh, you got your gum still? I got my gum, and I'm chewing loud as fuck. <laughs> so now I'm going to smoke a cig and not spit out my gum. Smart. <laughs> Smart. 
perfect. The perfect crime, dude. I, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, about the importance and the and the impact of live shows. And I am kind of of the belief. It's just like it gives you a reference to why you're doing your shit. Like it puts everything into perspective. Yeah, it's like comedy shows. Like Mm -hmm. you now have something to write for and then practice your material. So many times I've watched like any, I don't know, a Jerry Seinfeld uh, documentary and he's going into bars like on Sunday nights and practicing jokes for his like big tours yeah it's like if he doesn't do that and he just goes out on tour he's kind of like yeah it's like hit or miss like yeah it could be cool to take a week off and then go on stage and think that like i don't know you'll you'll th- you think you'll be like refreshed and like no you're not you're gonna be fucking nervous you're gonna like forget a joke you're gonna forget a line you wanted to work out i have a show on saturday in virginia where i'm like all right, I got to hit a mic pretty much every night starting tomorrow. Yeah. To like be comfortable with doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What goes through my mind when I think about that in terms of music uh in the in this day and age and I could be wrong, but I am kind of of the belief that the marketing via live shows is not as crucial as it was 10 20 or 20 30 years ago. What do you mean what do you mean by that? Like the like the benefit like one of the benefits besides what we were talking about before which is keeping, you know, keeping your chops up and and having a reason to do it and you have things on the horizon. The the main aspect of playing a, a show as a band is is, you know, you get multiple bands on the bill and you play in front of people that follow this band, you open for a bigger band and and hopefully you capture some of that market. You know, you bring out the people that want to see you, but the people that come out to see you already know you and like you. So it really, in my, if you're looking at it from a marketing or a growth standpoint, then the purpose of a live show musically would be to 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 get more people to notice you. Uh huh. But when you compare in this day and age uh, with social media and the internet and things like that, I wonder how how much of I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of describing what I'm trying to say. I wonder how significant of a portion of people you gather from playing in front of them versus the amount of people you can attract by releasing something on the internet and promoting it and coming up with a dope-ass video and pushing it that way, that you could reach millions of people. Yeah. You know what I'm I mean, saying? Yeah. From, like, like, just from a marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. like, I... Um I'm I not. S- yeah, I'm not saying it's a. It's it's. Yeah, fu- I it's mean, futile. But also, I think like getting a local following is also like a step towards that too. Because like, yeah, you can have like a dope song and push it yourself, but you're probably gonna do better if you know the ten dudes that come out to your show and fuck with you heavy also all share it and tell their friends about it too. You yes, know I mean? yes. And and so uh, if we were to trace back through time and, and go through how I imagine things went back in, let's say, the 50s or 60s, uh, let's say, like, you're the Beatles, yeah. for instance. The Beatles played in Hamburg, Germany, in nightclubs for... Like, for weeks on end. Weeks on end, for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Shows, playing all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. All kinds of music. But because that was a day and age before you know, the, the, the tools that we have now, they were playing in those clubs, playing 
popular songs and I'm imagining mixing in their own stuff and they got a reputation for being this really good band. And as people started to build up and build up and build up, word spread, some execs came out, started looking at them, blah, 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 they get signed, things like that. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, they might uh, they might get uh, coverage on a local radio station. Maybe their song starts playing in a particular locale's uh, like, for instance, if you were a Baltimore band coming up in the 80s, you know, you, you get a following locally playing shows, and then people start to dig your music, you're selling CDs at the show, tape cassettes, or whatever it is, uh, the radio catches on, they start playing your song, you gain a local, local following from your local radio station, and then if that song's popping enough, more and more people hear it, and then it gets syndicated to more and more radio stations. Yeah. But now, it's almost as if, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it's almost like that whole step process of like trying to get picked up by a local station and blah, 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 is almost completely bypassed now that any band can release their music to on the world stage. Yeah. You know what true. I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, um, but at the same time, that means that any band can release their, and then yeah, the, but the cream separates, you know, to the top. It does, and and I, like the I think the modern trend to like you know compare to what the Beatles did is you keep grinding, you grind, grind, grind. You have like one viral hit, and then depending on how you handle that, mm -hmm. you either sink or swim. Yes. Yeah, I think the internet can either help propel you farther or it'll just kill you like there's yeah. no middle ground in between like i think that what you're saying jimmy still holds true i think that you can um go through a local radio station get syndicated and gain following that way i mean we've done that with wtmd i literally i got one of like one of my dreams came true of a being played on the radio and then b we played an event there, and weeks later, some random guy came up to me while I was at fucking uh, THB, and he comes up and he's like, "You're the guy from Thunder Club," and I was <laughs> like, yeah. "Yeah!" I was like, "Holy!" Like I didn't know what I was like, "Uh, sure." And I like grabbed my bagel and left. I was like so freaked out. I was like, "This is fucking great," but like I totally did not handle that well. And then I saw him again, and what he says like. He was like, uh, oh, you're the guy from Thunderslap. And I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yes. that's me. That's me. Like, that does sound cooler, too. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I like, do you, it's like, in that moment, do you say, like, it, no, like, you, you nah, yeah, you totally just be like, nah, dude, hell yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. And then that guy walks around for the rest of his life Googling Thunderslap and wondering why I can't find it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where the fuck is that song from Thunderslap? I love that song. <laughs> But I think that um, I think that the whole the the grinding mentality and like I think like Jimmy, you have a reputation playing down in Fells and playing in uh, Towson so much. Like the point they um, they what is it? They um, get more bartenders mm -hmm. when we play because mm -hmm. we bring a bigger crowd and like we have a good show and like yeah. people enjoy the music that. Like you play and people consistently come and like it's not only like garnering new fans, it's like any other business. Like it's more effective and there's more longevity in people that come, like you were saying, Eric, that keep coming to your show and keep fucking with you and like telling their friends and then their friends tell their friends. But like yeah. those like solid people that have been coming to those shows like consistently come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And I think one of the difficult things about, I guess, what we're doing in our project is, uh, like you said, when you're playing, I, w I was talking about this with Eric a couple weeks ago, about the, the, the I want to say the word juxtaposition. That is the proper word right now, but I sound like good a pretentious douchebag if I said it without... Would you let it fly, man? It's a good <laughs> word. The juxtaposition of when you're playing a cover show, you're handpicking from the entire catalog of every song in the history of the world and picking the best ones of those to put into your set list. The ones yeah. that are like everyone's favorite, that everyone yeah. knows. Number one hits. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know you're playing number one after number one after number one, and then when you break out your own original material, it's like, unless your original song is up to that standard yeah. of a number one fucking hit banger. <laughs> and and also, not only that, but even if your song is that good, there's also the fact that, like, the recognition. Like, you know, your song might be better than a song that everybody knows, but everybody knows that song. So they're yeah. singing along. That's where, and they're, dude, you got to pull out some cheap tricks. Like, you, like, you know... Seeing live bands whenever they like play a new song, they'll be like, "All right, the chorus is, you know, blah 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 blah." All right, everybody, say the <laughs> chorus. All right, we're going to it. Three, two, one. <laughs> and then by the time the chorus comes, that's the part they know, and they can sing along and get into it. And then they're like into the other part of the song because they feel like they're already a part of it. That's true. That is true. You got to do some some cheap tricks, dude. That is true. So like, if you're playing a cover show and then you're playing, you know, you get finished playing. Semi Charm Life, and then you're like, okay, this is a song we wrote, and people are like, okay, and right, then you're like, a beer. and then you play Wonderwall after that, and they're like, all right, cool, yeah. sick, sick, sick. I know this one again. It's a fine line you got to dance yeah. on, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough to like you're playing live DJ, you're feeling out the crowd, and throughout the set, playing a cover show, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, we got to start small and play some like fucking Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. And then it like works itself into like Wonderwall and Goo Goo Dolls and like all the shit that people get drunk and they go like, I love this song. <laughs> oh, yeah. so bad. Jimmy, you're the man. <laughs> they throw like a dollar or 50 cents in the bucket. And, and you in, go, Th thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. I'm glad you like the Goo Goo Dolls. And I like it when people, they'll walk up to the bucket and they'll like, they'll perch over the bucket and they'll go like, oh. There's money in there. <laughs> wow. And they go, good for you. And they don't put anything in there. They don't put anything in there. I just so wanted weird. to make sure you are getting tips. I'm not going to contribute to that. But like, what nice. do they expect to see in there? Like, a, I don't fucking, is a, a bucket Business of dirt? Card. Yeah. <laughs> now, I wonder what, it's, what's in this bucket with a dollar hanging out of it. <laughs> that is definitely placed on purpose. <laughs> My favorite is when I, I clearly have uh, like a $5 bill on the edge of the bucket. As if to be like, this is the tip bucket. This and is then the minimum. And then some <laughs> dude will walk up and just be like, and he'll walk up and he'll just like pop the $5 bill in and he'll like give me the thumbs up like, you're welcome, bro. I'm like, dude, you just did the opposite of what I wanted you to do. Like, he's like, oh, dude, there was this $5 bill hanging out of the bucket. And yeah. I, I and but I helped fell, you out. I got you. I put it in there. You for really it. did not fucking help me. Dude. I didn't even put my own five dollar bill in the bucket. <laughs> I just put the five dollar bill that was already on the bucket in the bucket, and that's my tip to you. <laughs> Sick, thanks, bro. Appreciate that, dude. And then as soon as it's over, I gotta get, I gotta get off the stage, put the thing back on the bucket. I know that guy's sitting in the back, just like, dude, I was helping you out. Why like, is he doing that? <laughs> What's he doing? Do you want that to fall? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it is a weird it is a weird line to walk, and depending on depending on what route you're going, and 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 obviously, one of the scariest not scary but actually yeah scary 
the way I look at it, the scariest thing that I was al- have always been wary of is not going too far down that direction, you know? Because the last thing, as a musician, I feel like at a certain point, you need the fulfillment of of having people love your music the way they love the music that you know that you're, you're covering you know exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and so but i can totally see how it, it it's so easy to get caught up in that lifestyle because uh, and it, yeah, i've seen a lot yeah, of you get peop- a little complacent you get complacent mm-hmm. because it's it's far better money i mean it's far better money i mean you can it's it's tough to make a living playing original shows unless you're already like solidly in the game you know what i'm saying yeah to like play to play a tour and actually make like a solid living off of it if nobody if you're still an obscure band that's really difficult a lot of bands i I imagine just kind of shoot to break even on those types of things like we're going to travel across the country we might make enough money at this show to pay for a room and gas to get to the next venue you know yeah dude it's amazing i mean i've i've played with and seen um bands that like house shows and they've got the whole shit they've got the whole merch table set up like they've even got cassettes and cds and like all the shit that you really technically don't need but it's like when you play a house show and you have a cassette you've got a bunch of fucking like 18 year olds that are like whoa cassette what yeah is this artifact i'm gonna put this wow. on my wall yeah wow. right <laughs> so it's like a weird placeholder now at this point but um like they they're like not even they're getting like the the like keg money yeah. really like yeah. they don't get a guarantee um but it's like it's a weird it's like a huge jump from like that perspective of like you're sleeping in the van or sleeping on a couch where like you don't really know exactly where you are but you played the show there yeah yeah to like you've actually got a van that somebody else financed like let's say it's like a label or whatever or like you've got a kickstarter set up and like there's a big difference between those two lifestyles of like having somebody else finance your tour and like maybe you break even, but you've got the backing of a label. That's like, here's, here's an advance, mm-hmm. like record a couple songs and go out on the road and we'll see what happens. Like if people relate with you and like enjoy it, go ahead. And like, I was watching a interview with the black keys and they were saying how, it was such a huge jump from. Were you watching the Rogan Experience? The Joe, yeah, the that Joe was such Rogan. a good podcast. Dude, by it was the way. Awesome. That was awesome. And they were explaining how um, they jumped from like that the lower tier of like the touring lifestyle to like the middle tier when they had a label going like, "Okay, here you go." Yeah. And then at a certain point, like the big label, like because they were getting syndicated <clears throat> and played a lot. Um, and then the big label was like, all right, you want to know? It was crazy the way they explained it. It was yeah, like, yeah. do you, like the label was like, do you want a number one record? Cause if you do, here are our demands and we take a large chunk of your royalties. Jesus yeah. It was, it was weird to like, to listen to, but it also, it was the selling your soul to the devil, which is. And that's, that's one of the most labels. amazing things about, about coming up in this time is that back in those days before you had the outlet of the internet where any single person with a little bit of money to finance their own recording, and uh, you know an ability to publish it on social media and if it, and and on the internet and just get it going, see if you can get something viral, and that and you, if you you can they they before that existed they were the gatekeepers of 
who heard your music. Yeah. You know, they controlled the radio stations. They controlled the marketing and everything like that. You, If you were a band coming up in the 90s, you almost had to get a record label to have them distrib- dis- distribute Distribute. I don't know what the word is. Distribute. Distribute. Yeah, yeah, distribute. 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 To have, <laughs> <laughs> distribute. <laughs> to have them distribute your uh, your content, but and, and that's one of the things that's changed so much about the the uh, the music industry now is that it used to be back in the day that record labels were far more willing to invest in no names and invest a lot more in no names. Because they were because you could basically find a band that you saw like a group of young guys, talented, good looking, whatever you're looking for as a marketable band, mm-hmm. and say we're gonna put a million dollars behind you and finance a record, and we're gonna promote it and do all this stuff, and and we know that you know if like the way the Black Keys described it, like do I mean, you want a number one? They kind one of record? are doing that right now. Oh no, that's but it's just with rap. But but the difference yeah. is the difference yeah. is is that a lot of those record labels, they're not what they. Before a record label in general is going to pick a random person to just invest a million dollars in to finance a record, they're almost looking to see that, like, like if you already are getting a ton of fucking plays on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. they almost are expecting the artist to have done that his or herself yes. before totally. they're willing to... Because the reality of it is is there's so much more stake in the game. You could be a record label and invest a million dollars in a band and promote their song and push it to every radio station and market here, market there, and then get beaten by you know some kid who recorded Old Town Road in his fucking room. Yeah. And that kid who who spent you know a hundred dollars on a recording thing and posted it on SoundCloud and it co- went viral on Twitter and now more people have heard that song than the fucking song that you just put a million dollars behind financing. Yeah. And so record labels are far more uh, hesitant to just invest in someone just off a hunch that they might have potential. They want to see that you've already achieved a certain level, and then that's what they're doing in rap. You know, they're taking these SoundCloud rappers who are already kind of popping off in that medium and saying, okay, you've already established that you're going. You have the appeal and the music and everything else that it takes that we believe that we can put more money behind you and take you to the next level. And we kind of saw that in its in its early beginnings when American Idol came out because the whole concept behind that show was instead of investing money... It was like a who's number one. Exactly. It's all about... I mean, yeah, it was just doing market research yeah, as yeah. a TV show. We're gonna put all these people in front of the in front of the American public, and the, we're gonna just let the American public pick who their favorite one of those was, and then we know based off of that market research that that's a person we should invest money in. Yeah, but that really only worked like once with yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that road. I yeah, it worked. And a yeah, couple, well, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, uh, Chris Daughtry didn't win, but Daughtry was super successful. Yeah, and there's also know? that guy Philip Phillips. Philip Phillips, but a lot of them have like kind of like one hit, you know, and then Ruben it's like they just kind of fade into Clay obscurity. Aiken. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, literally all those people except you know Kelly Clarkson and whoever the she's one the dude biggest. Was. Like she, yeah, she was definitely like the biggest. that. That show worked for. Th- for what reason you just said? Yeah, that one time, and maybe for I guess Carrie Underwood, but that's yeah. because that was I think that's just country. Yeah, and country's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, like for the sure. each, it's so funny how like siloed it is between. Because definitely country is still the fucking playing local shows. People still go and buy CDs. Yeah, for a country like all the all the flyover states, like people still go to Walmart and still buy. Fucking uh, CDs. Yeah, there was a guy actually. I was playing. Not everybody has access to the internet and sound and all that shit. And uh, I was playing at the Hickory Lodge up in Bel Air on Saturday, 
and uh, they had like a pregame to Sunday in the Country, and they had this touring band called Fillmore, touring country band, and they were in there, and they were playing on like the patio while I, they like stuffed me in the back. I think they were supposed <laughs> to cancel me, but they just forgot, and so I showed up, <laughs> and they were just like, like, "We're making enough money tonight anyway." Fuck yeah. this guy's here, and they were like, "I don't know, dude, just go inside." And then like there was a ticketed ten dollar a head show out back that this band was playing, and I'm inside fucking. Say what you need to say. Thanks <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to the people who didn't know there was a cover charge. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I actually kind of felt bad because there were so many people that showed up that were just like, "We just gave you a drink," and so I had like as much of an audience as the band outside did. Yeah. But that, but like, it was. I had never really seen that because you're just looking at a regular bar and you had this band and they were doing, they were playing their music, and they were playing popular country music as well, and it was cool to see that. But again, that was country. Yeah. That's con- that's the country. He was playing Keith Urban, but then he'd mix in, yo, this is a song that we, you know, and they're doing all that stuff. And I had never really seen that before. Yeah. You know, which was cool. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, to me, any country, like, you could play, it could be whatever, Luke Combs, and then you could play, like, Keith Urban or whatever. Or yeah. It could, it could literally be anything, and I they could be an original band, and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's a great song. That's their <laughs> song, and then... Some other guy yeah, who would actually know. Yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah. no, that's that's not... Brooks that. and Dunn, bro. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so, big and rich, dude. <laughs> Damn. Are you, do you like country music? Um, Some of it. Uh, Chris Stapleton I like a lot. He's dope. Um, And uh, who's the... There's another guitarist that I can't even think of his name, but... Like all those guys, all the Nashville guys are phenomenal. Yeah, players. and speaking of Rogan experience, uh, Chris Stapleton's podcast with him was another really good one because really? that guy had a really interesting come. I mean, he was a songwriter for years. I mean, he put out his first album for himself when he was like thirty nine. Like he was like like he when he came oh, out. Shit, with, I forget how old he. Yeah, is. he's yeah. he's pretty he's relatively old, and and you know every genre is a little bit different. Like you know country, you can be older. Yeah, like country, you know they want like a. Rusty, rusky old fucking guy. Fucking. I've been riding in my truck for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> you need thirty years of back road experience in, like, in your truck, Fuck, man. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm also <laughs> way too old. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really there's yeah. There, I guess I guess the moral of the whole the whole story is that there's so many different ways. Uh, there's so many different ways to do it. You know. Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint what works for you as an artist. I mean, I think it's like the way they're all siloed. Like, it's I I know a bunch of a bunch of my friends live in Nashville right now, and a lot of the players, like everybody that go that plays there, you don't actually get paid. Like we've talked about this, you don't get a guarantee from a club. You make your money off tips. Yeah, and a lot of the times. What? You're like strippers. Pretty much, yeah. yeah but people don't realize um, how much work goes into learning these songs, especially in Nashville. You're expected to know every single fucking song every, ever fucking written because you can charge 20 bucks. Like somebody said, you, you want me to play the Eagles? You want me to play that? Okay, that'll be $20. And you go, <laughs> yeah. shit. All right. And you're like, fuck. Well, that. And you're also drunk enough. You're like, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be fucking totally worth it. It's like, you can pay me 20 bucks or you can go to the point and watch Jimmy Seleski blow the solo <laughs> for free. 
<laughs> I've never hit a $20 solo in my fucking life. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to strive towards. Uh, yeah. Just, just one time, I just want somebody to be like, nice. Yeah, I've never. Well worth it, dude. Here's <laughs> another 20. <laughs> I just feel like I'm just, just barely made. I feel like I'm rock climbing when I'm playing a guitar solo. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your finger starts to slow. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> Just playing the solo as you're ringing up the refund to give the guy. <laughs> as he's knocking a $5 bill. Flick the $5 bill. bill back out of the bucket. <laughs> it is so weird. Like, I, I, like, whenever I get into the middle of playing something like that, it's almost like I just forget everything I know about guitar. Like, I look at it, and, like, the fucking fretboard just starts to look, like, foggy. And I'm like, uh-huh. dude, I don't even know where to put my fingers here. It's It's crazy. Damn, it's kind of like I mean you kind of yeah, like to the guitar hero noises going on. Computerized. Just blow it so much that we it's just the fucking power just shuts off mid song. You suck. What a fucking nightmare. All of my uh, all of my nightmares, because you know you you were a server for a very long time, and and anybody who's worked in the restaurant industry knows about like server nightmares, you know, and you always have those things where like you're in your restaurant, but for some oh reason like your section is like one is like on the eighth floor, one table's like in the yeah. basement, one table's <laughs> like outside across the street at another restaurant, uh-huh. and they're just like, can we get a diet coke? And I spend like forty five minutes trying to figure out. How to get them this Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, one restaurant has Pepsi, the other one has Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. I gotta go back across the street. <laughs> <laughs> just the most ridiculous shit that, for whatever reason, when you're asleep, just makes sense. Like, there's no logical basis for any of this shit in a dream. And you're yeah. just like, yeah, this makes sense. Gla- we don't have glasses today? Okay. That makes sense. I guess sense. this is what, yeah. <laughs> this makes yeah. I've had a couple get so ridiculous that I've literally just been able to woke my, wake myself up and be like, no, there's no. <laughs> like, this yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Am I dreaming? <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that Indian table just tipped me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. That was Jimmy Selesky that said that. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, For anyone combing through this podcast. <laughs> Five years from now. Nobody co-signed <laughs> on it. I was just like... <laughs> I think someone did co-sign it. Manscaped.com. Ooh, speaking of co-signers. <laughs> that joke was brought, brought to you by... It's brought to you by Manscaped.com. Uh, Jimmy, what do you know about Manscaped.com? I know that I have virtually every product. I have the ball wipes. I have the newspaper, which I plan on reading eventually at some point. Yeah. Uh, I have a shirt. The ball wipes are nice. I haven't tried the ball wipes yet. Really? I really okay. don't. Dude, they... it's like doing Listerine for your balls, basically. Really? Yeah. You nice. get like a tingly. So it burns? But it's like a good one. You oh, get like sweet. a nice tingly feeling afterwards. Like you feel clean, you know? <laughs> um, like I, I don't know how to describe it, but like uh, kind of same thing you are talking about last week where like all the products have like a very... You a know, crop like distinguished yeah. smell. Yes, a very manly you know? smell, and they all are uh, relate products related to like uh, 
crops, you know, you know crop care. reviver, yeah, stuff like that. So I have the plow, which is their razor. I have the lawnmower, which is their trimmer, which has a nice little uh, safety plastic thing on the trimmer, so you can't like you know you yeah, can't prevent cutting yourself. Yeah, which is actually super because I I literally used to dread dread shaving my balls. Yeah, and sometimes I've gone way too long without doing it because I didn't know where to. Because well, you'll get like fucking uh like road rash one time mm-hmm. shaving your balls and then be like have PTSD. Yeah, it's just like phases of like I shave my balls and then I have like razor burn for two days, and then after that, then. Uh, like an ingrown my, hair, yeah, think you have herpes. and then like my stubble is just like sticking in my fucking boxers for the next three days, and then like yeah, I look like a twelve-year-old boy throughout the entire course of that. <laughs> yeah, and it literally just takes like, your dick all day long. It's like a month <laughs> until my dick is ready for like presentation again. Yeah, it's like, dude, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I don't have any ass on the horizon once I do this for at it's, least a couple weeks. Yeah, it's true though. It's like getting a haircut. It like, is you, the first time you get the haircut, and sometimes it's too short, and mm-hmm. you're like, fuck. Uh, I gotta wait two weeks for it to actually look good now. Yeah, yeah. Manscape comes with two guards on your trimmer. <laughs> you can get the perfect cut every time. Mm-hmm. Go to the barber. Go to haircuttery. You know, get your favorite barber, Alex. <laughs> Bring the lawnmower 2.0. Tell him you want a two on the sides and a one on the <laughs> I top. I want a high top fade, and I'd like it if you shaved a lightning bolt into my left nut. If we could do that. Yeah. I do. Use the other hair. Glue it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Make the lightning bolt. <laughs> uh, but uh, manscaped.com, great offer for you folks. 20% off and free shipping on all orders using the promo code LFTS. It's live from the studio, folks. Uh, you know, so uh, manscaped.com, number one in men's below the belt grooming, uh, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Sick. Love that. Sick. Sick. Uh, did you guys hear about the stabbing in Hunt Valley? This yeah, so I heard it was a shooting at first. Really? Then I looked it up, and oh, I was like, oh, oh no, they shot no, him. They oh, shot yeah. him. <laughs> He's the one that got fucking shot. No, it was a shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I saw that while I was playing at the lodge, and I was like, five stab in Hunt Valley, and apparently it was just like a completely just freak incident. This guy just walked into the liquor store and just started asking people for money and just started stabbing them. Damn. And they said no. I feel like after the third person was stabbed, I would have been like, actually, you know, I do have some spare change. Yeah, or just like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. But like, this guy's clearly not taking no for an answer. Yeah. You know, and I never have more than like four bucks in cash on me anyway. Also, interesting to think that like after he stabbed a couple people and now he finally has Can enough I money to buy you? the alcohol. <laughs> hold up, dude. Hold up. Hold up. Do you have cash app? Yeah. <laughs> he could have just robbed. A, he could have tried to rob the store. He could have just... He probably just wanted to buy booze. He could have just stolen the booze yeah, and waved the knife around. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't think he necessarily went into senseless that dog, point. senseless violence. We need to ban knives. Yeah. <laughs> Take the knives. Him. Take the knives, dude. You shut down dicks. We need uh, you know, we just that is where Dick's sporting good is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think yep. he got the knife at Dick's? Mm. That is bad PR for dicks, dude. Kind of bad PR for Wegmans, dude. They own that out liquor store. <laughs> yeah, they just have like a <laughs> a little sign in their store that's like days since last stabbing. <laughs> oh shit. Four. <laughs> four <laughs> we're safe. <laughs> Damn dude, four people. That's pretty crazy. I think uh I think liquor stores are one of the last frontiers of, of where you can still successfully rob you know, you can't rob a bank anymore. 
Yeah. You really can't. I mean, like, the bank, MNT Bank is so fucking cocky at this point. They took down the bulletproof gl- glass in the Towson branch. Did they yeah. really? I almost was mad. I was <laughs> like, what are you trying to fucking say? <laughs> like, you know. What, like, do you think you're safe? <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, why, why did you? Wh- I've never seen a business get rid of bulletproof glass. Like, I understand when somebody doesn't have it to, from the get-go, and they're like, oh, you know what? We should, we should get this. They were like, nope. You know what? Let's get rid of that shit, dude. I wonder how much cash, like, how much less cash banks hold now, though. Oh, because they probably don't hold much at all. They hold yeah. enough, dude. So I get like they were like, I guess below a certain threshold of cash. Yeah, they don't need to hold it anymore. They were like, you don't need bulletproof glass. Yeah, we'll take a stabbing, but you know, I don't know yeah. if <laughs> bulletproof glass. <laughs> if I was like a p- employee there, I'd have been like, come on, dude, really? Like, what was wrong with it before? Uh, I don't. No. You know, like I felt way safer. Back in those days. Yeah, dude. Those employees could shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm it also wasn't for the customer. It was for the customer's safety, you know? That's true. Yeah, you never know. Bank tellers are fucking crazy. I, I, I'm, I mean, I feel like most people our age are doing, like, uh, you know, electronic deposits anyway. I'm, like, one of the few mm-hmm. people in the world that just refuses to learn how to do that. Well, I mean, it's I feel like for so the great, shit you though. do, you can't get direct deposit from the point dude i yeah well yeah but you can do you not use your phone to to i do all that shit manually take dude. The picture i walk it in i say hey how's it yeah. going well i have to, i do that because I, my credit union is like they don't have a fucking app you know true like i can't true. do that i wish i could but also i just don't really get checks like you do <laughs> Nobody gets checks like I do, bro. Exactly. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not That's that. I'm the number one hype man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Y'all just don't understand. No, I'm definitely gonna be like one of those old men that just I'm gonna be. You're just gonna carry a wad of cash around. Yeah, I don't carry cash so like that. I never understood why anybody would care. I use everything on my card because I get them rewards points, dude. Mm. I mean, a teacher once told me. Uh, like he was like, I always have fifty bucks in my back pocket just in case I get robbed. robbed. <laughs> yeah, really. It's I mean I guess it's a better option than fucking getting stabbed or yeah hurt. Otherwise, it's yeah. just like if you give him fifty bucks, it'd be like, all right, it's cool. Yeah. Unless they're like super greedy and they're like, give me or everything. is he and like fuck? Okay, I figured he just had the fifty bucks to deal with having to get somewhere after his like phone and wallet was taken. True. I mean that's all. It's Maybe, but my understanding was that like he had the fifty bucks in case he got robbed, and he was like, "Give me whatever you have," and you just go, "Here's fifty bucks," and then yeah. hopefully they don't ask for anything else, and they just leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I'd react in this situation. That's got to be a terrifying situation to get like held up, and I don't know, dude. I'm yeah, so glad that's never happened to me. My fucking grandma. When I I live, I grew up in the city. My grandma got fucking. Um, it's crazy the people they'll pick on. She got fucking robbed Damn. right outside of our house. Jesus. What part of the city were you in? Uh, it was, the street was like Montebello Terrace. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and ironically, Homicide, the old, like, the old Baltimore show before The Wire, uh, was filmed across the street from my house. <laughs> oh, so shit. Like, Sick. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, my grandma got fucking mobbed right out, right out front. Jesus. Yeah, when I was younger, I used to have all these crazy fantasies that I would fucking, you know, do like a fucking backflip and nail him in the face and dodge the gun. And then as I got older, I was just like, dude, just like, 
Just take the shit and just leave me alone. Yeah. But also, you know, never happened. Yeah. True. All right, final fucking Yeah, dude, he's about to get fucking... It wasn't even there you knocked. go. You got it. You're safe now. Safe as a doorknob. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do in that situation. I definitely wouldn't try to, like, fight back or anything. I yeah. I like that's just, you know... I feel like after, like, you watch, like, a job training video on that shit, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that does make sense to not try to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, they and they'll teach you, like, Krav Maga and shit like that. Like, you fucking duck the gun and you do this and that, the other thing. Alex was telling me that they uh, had active shooter training at his job Jesus. at McCormick just recently. He really? also told me yeah. he didn't go. So, <laughs> But, like, oh, in reality, I was thinking, like, dude, all that shit pretty much goes out the fucking window once that once that sparks off. Oh, for sure. Like, are you know, you're going to remember that one fucking meeting you had that was, like, climb into the rafters. That's what they told him. They were, like, climb into the rafters. Or something like that, and Jesus. I was like, dude. And like uh, one of those stand-up, some stand-up comedian had a good point about that. It's like when you're when you do those active shooter training things in school, it's like you're also training the you're yeah, training the kid, the Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's a good ass point though. Like you're basically yeah. like the kid knows exactly what the protocol is. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, like you're the the kids now know, like if they want to. Yeah, yeah. They if know they want to the be that guy, now. they know exactly where everybody else yeah, is going. Yeah. His uh his co-workers he was i met up with him on sunday and uh the just a typical like yuppie people just got their first office job mid-20s or whatever and uh we were about to do a bomb and right before i did this bomb the girl was like so what do you do for life and i was like for i life. did the bomb and then i was like i play music for a living and then she just gave me this like blank stare she's like what does that mean and i was <laughs> like um like I play like all over like all kinds of different bars and stuff like that, and she was literally was just like, "You're just gonna do that." The foreign concept of people here. It was crazy. If you, were, if you were to say that in like, L.A., New York, Nashville, Austin, mm-hmm. people yeah. are like, oh, "Okay, I get it." Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like I and I, you know, it was one of those moments where I, like, I couldn't believe how willing she was to just openly, just not be impressed by whatever I was doing. Don't give a shit. Yeah, and it was like, uh, you know, Alex kind of felt bad. And I was like, dude, I'm kind of used to it. Like, especially when you grow up in Baltimore and, like, even when I was first starting out, just telling people that that was what I planned on doing was to become a professional musician. And people just look at you like, and you can't do that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does that, you know? But. It's hard to justify it here. Maybe not justify, but it's hard know. to, like. I feel like Baltimore is probably one of the better places to do it just because of, like. You know, cost of living is so low. That is true. And like John was saying, like the established mentality that there's like a scene for it here. Yeah, like the pay scale here is awesome too. Like bars actually pay you to play at their place. You know, if you go to LA, they're they're basically paying you an exposure. Like, oh, the opposite. It's pay to play. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like if you're gonna do it in a city, Baltimore is a city to do it. Yeah. You know. Annapolis has actually a really good scene too. Yeah, Annapolis is sweet. Annapolis is like a Fells Point was just a giant city, yeah. which I dig. Well, yeah, that it's was a lot th- of money in Annapolis too. We also hung yeah. out with uh, Zach Merrick from All Time Low because he was like really good friends with your brother back in the day, right? So he showed up, and he just looks like a famous person. You, know, you just That's look at somebody, funny. and you're just like that. That is a famous person. Like I knew it before he even said something. I was like, <laughs> damn. Like just, it was cool. It was fun. 
I didn't uh, I didn't bring up the podcast or anything like that, but I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, you gotta come on the podcast. We could probably get him on. Cause he like lives around here. He lives by like Lock Raven. Yeah, but I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, yo, I just met you, but also I want you to check out my podcast, blah 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 blah. That cause like going back to the conversation I had with Alex's coworkers, like even like Alex was like trying to back me up. He was like, yo, you know, yeah, but like cause he saw that they were just like giving me the fucking side eye. Just I was like, I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, this like, is what I like. They're basically fucking networking, dude. And like he was like, you know, I tried to show on the podcast and so they didn't give a fuck. I was like, damn, dude. You really don't do you like think, me. Do you think the podcast is the new blog? Yeah. Maybe. It's potentially that. I think yeah. for like the people who are like starting them now, yes. Yeah, we've been on the wave for a while, We've dude. been on the wave. We've been on the you wave. guys have been doing it for wave, a long dude. time. We started the wave. <laughs> <laughs> podcast? We invented that shit, dude. First one, dude. <laughs> we got the first name. I feel like Live from the Studio is like the aboriginal podcast name that just nobody claimed. Yeah. And we got it. But yeah, overall, I got so used to it because like I'm uh, just at that point in life when you go long enough doing kind of like an obscure way of of uh, making a living. Yeah, you know, I got so it's like used the to same thing as like at a family event when people are like, oh, you still play music? Oh, you still yeah. do comedy? Oh. I just don't appreciate that. I always feel the need to have to just like you said, justify it. Like you know, if you tell me I work at Insight Global. And, like, because I work in a cubicle, that means my job is legitimate, and I don't have to, you know, I'm not going to be like, yeah. so you're just going to you're just gonna work at Insight Global? I hate the phrase, real job. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah. Like, being a server or a bartender, people look at you, and it's like, oh, you've got to be as- aspiring to be doing something else. Yeah, yeah. And some people do, and most, I'd say most people do, because most of the time, at least with um, bars, like, lower tier bars that aren't, like, fine dining, or anything like that, people expect you to be, like, searching for something else. But it's, like, it's a real fucking job. Yeah. You make yeah. real fucking money, and you yeah. pay real fucking bills with it, and you move on with your life. Mm-hmm. And people look at a desk job, like, that's that's legitimate. Yeah, and they'll that's literally salvation. make less money yeah. at their desk job and, and, and justified as well. You know, be, you know, I do this, and that. Uh, well, that's I have my weekends, and it's a, it, I have a 401k. From da, going da, da. from one to the other, like I've been at my desk job now for four months, and it's a weird transition. Like, yeah, being a server, you meet a lot of cool people, and like even being in the music industry, you meet a lot of cool people. Like whether they're super fucking rich or they're super fucking poor, but like when you work that desk job, you see the same fucking people. Yeah, every like single cutter. day. Yeah, it's weird, and I kind of miss. I don't even know if it's like if that they're all that type of people or if that's just the appearance they put up at their day job. Like, I think I was talking to, uh, I think I was talking to Ivan about this the other night, but like where we were both in situations where like we were in, like before we were at our current jobs, like me at ATB and him at Motorhouse, like our bosses knew us as us. So when we got Mm -hmm. hired, we didn't have to like pretend to be anyone else. Yeah, but I feel like so many people put on like a mask at an interview, and then they're like, "All right, I got to put this on every morning before I go to work because yeah. this is who they think I am." And I have to, if I if I'm not this person, then I'm gonna I'm gonna get fired. And then what am I gonna do? Yeah, it's weird. You really gotta like, you really do have to play the part, and especially, I like working in advertising now. You have to 
do that to your clients. I mean, technically yeah. you have to do it as a server because yeah. you can't yeah. be like, what's up? The fuck do you want? You want a beer? Do you want a beer? <laughs> yeah, Are you going to yeah. get a beer? Just get the beer. And yeah, okay? me like, too, I'm like, done with you. I don't need... <laughs> You don't need to get a Manhattan. It's it's gonna take too much time. Like <laughs> let's just get you in and get you the fuck out. Well, there's certain bars you can do that at, dude. I mean that's true. Yeah, yeah we've dude, always worked at like resort, restaurants dude. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> always kind of envied those bartenders that just openly just don't give a fuck. Oh my god. Yeah, they'd rather have it empty than have one random customer buy yeah. like ten drinks. You walk in there and you just immediately get the sense that they're just pissed off that you're even there. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought this was. I thought you were open. Yeah, I thought yeah. you're on the clock. <laughs> I don't, I don't get that because it's like when you get a customer to come into your bar. I mean, I get. I there was a long time like my mentality was like, okay, we got over with the rush. Like everybody go home. But it's like at the same time, some of the most interesting people will come in late night. Yeah, and plus you're making a couple extra bucks. Yeah, yeah. So big fucking deal. You close at one thirty. You're a bartender. Like that's that's your yeah, lifestyle. You should have already expected that your night was working. Like yeah. It's weird to go into work, like, and already have that time slot filled to be like, no, I'm going to get out early. Right. Yeah, but then the other side of that is, like, when you work at a restaurant, you have the table that shows up 10 minutes before close and wants to do the whole fucking shebang. Yeah, and that's like, true. As a yeah. server, you have no power to be like, dude, my shift, my schedule said till close. The door of the restaurant says we close at 10. Why did you come in at 9.50 and I'm here until 11.30? And that a lot of times those will also be the tables that don't give you shit because yeah, that's very frequently, true. you know, anybody who's worked in the service industry or at least has been adjacent to it enough to understand what it is, they have a certain sense of like etiquette when it comes to like this is how much you tip. You don't you don't go into a restaurant 15 minutes before close and expect a four course meal and shit like that. But mm -hmm. people who the same type of person who's going to disregard that is the same type of person that probably isn't going to understand how to tip properly, shit like that. So. That was one of the reasons I, I I did I can like I can sympathize with when servers can be like that or when I pull up to a McDonald's and there's clearly shitty but at the same time it's like dude it's not like if I pull up to McDonald's and you're open 24 hours and I pull up at 2:30 drunk <laughs> not driving but like <laughs> full disclosure full dis if mm -hmm. I pull up and like why are you gotta be a dick to me like it's not my fault. You know, I've never understood those people that are like, oh, well, yeah, he's probably just having a bad day. It's like, dude, we all have bad days. Everybody has a bad day. That doesn't mean that you have to take it out on everyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always bugged me. But whatever. Sometimes people just can't leave that shit at the door, you know? Yeah. And then I'm a just lot of actually, I'd say a lot of people like a lot of times I'd be working a, a shift and you'd have like one and it it's it's contagious. Like one person comes in with a bad fucking attitude and then they start venting to somebody else. And then that person starts to get it and they get like a, a decent table but like gives them a little bit of attitude about something. And then it like it turns into like everybody is just in a bad fucking mood. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that's that's sometimes how it works. But it's yeah. like dude, if you're there late, you're there late. Just like fucking. Restaurants get over is with. another perfect example of getting caught up in that mix because again, it, the trap of working in a restaurant is you are making so much more money than you could if you if you had like if you're working at a really nice bar and you have a nice position there and a nice schedule, you're making a ton of fucking money and it's so easy to just fall into that trap of like, well, and, and you're making cash. Like, normally you're making cash. Yeah. And, like, you become so close to the people you work with. Like, those people become, like, your best fucking friends. Yeah. You all go yeah. out afterwards. Everybody's banging each mm -hmm. other all the fucking time. <laughs> and it's, like, it just, like, Restaurants becomes it becomes place. like your family. 
and uh, it's kind of the same thing with uh, it's kind of the same thing with what we were talking about way earlier about the whole the 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 trap of of playing cover shows is like yeah. it just becomes this thing where it's like it's just so easy and I'm making so much money and it's like if you don't constantly keep your eyes on the prize you just get fucking lost in the sauce yeah could you imagine if comedy had that like cover like you were a cover <laughs> I mean, artist for as like a comedian yeah that I mean like there's there's like I- imitating weird. and and doing like that but I think that's like that's like an an art form in and of itself but like could you imagine if you were like a cover artist for comedians <laughs> like I remember when what was the name Carlos Mencia got like yeah. grilled for, for telling theft, other people's yeah. jokes like that is like yeah it's a taboo yeah big time but could you yeah. <laughs> Like what do you do for a living? Oh, I tell other people's jokes. Yeah, <laughs> the so bar pays me two hundred bucks. Oh, yeah, Somebody just says, "Do some, uh, do some Bill Burr." I'm like, all right, Dane <laughs> Cook, give me some <laughs> Dane Cook. You just got to take on the entire persona. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of cool, though. Dude, it'd be hard. I mean, that's kind of what like Robin Williams was doing. Robin Williams didn't really come up with a bunch of his own shit. He mm-hmm. would, you know. He'd like hang out at the comedy store, and then if he saw like a joke that he thought he could, like, not do better, but like make his own, and like he would pay people and shit, so it wasn't like a Carlos Mencia thing. And also, he was like such a famous person that no one would really, yeah, like, really. Uh, He'd like go in and watch like kind of no names, not I or mean, people like coming up, I guess. Yeah, or just like the it. people that were also working there, but like, yeah, I mean, I think. uh yeah, I guess there was a little double standard there. That's crazy. But uh, but I guess it's all about intent, too, where, like, you know, he understood that, like, you know, these people were doing these jokes, and now that he was doing it, they probably couldn't do it again. And he'd, like, pay him for it, whereas yeah. Carlos Mencia would just, like, literally just sit in the back of the room and jot shit down and what just do it dude. and then be like, no, that was my joke. That's crazy. Unreal. That's crazy. I've heard of, like, comedians that, like, will, like, like they'll be like, oh well, that's like that used to be like his story, but then I asked him if I could tell that story in my act or something like that. Yeah, I've seen people talk about that on podcasts and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, stories are un- like you know, because I think the one you're talking about is like Jay Moore doing Burt Kreischer's yeah, 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 yeah Tracy yeah. Morgan story, and like, yeah. That's definitely a weird thing, but because like he was also like, yeah, sure, you can do it. But then like when he started telling it outside of comedy, like he would tell it on podcasts, people would come after him, being like, "That's Jay Moore's story, you're stealing it." Yeah. When in reality, he was like, "I don't know." Jay just said, you know, he thought he could do it on stage, funny, and I didn't think I could, so I just said, "Yeah, go for it." That's the worst. Like, as, and people go through that as a songwriter all the time too. Is like when you write a song and then like you were like work on it forever, and then you realize, oh shit, that sounds exactly like this other song, and then you're just like, "Fuck, just gotta fucking drop it." Because I imagine with comedy, it's like you know, there's so many premises, and it's it's difficult to know like, am I doing somebody else's joke right now, or do I just like that concept and doing my own spin on it and things well, like especially that? Especially with like Twitter now too, like you'll come up with a joke and be like, I bet someone's already done this. Mm-hmm. Twitter search, find out that like 80 people have done it. Yeah, all people with like three followers and shit. But also at the same time, you're like, well, you know, if this, if uh, just a random person can come up with it, I don't want to do that now. Yeah. You know? Well, I think coming up with like your own concept and your 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 joke on your own without having already looked it up is and like finding a commonality maybe like if it's like to a T that'd be fucking 
crazy. Yeah. yeah. But it's like when you write a song and it sounds like something. I mean, that's what fucking artists do. They steal from each other all the time. Yeah. Literally. Like when people say like, oh, this influenced me. It's like, no, you just like kind of ripped off that. Like if you listen to um, uh, there's a song. What is it? There's okay, so the Zephyr song by the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. um, is the drums is the same beat and it's like tomorrow's another day or something like that by the Beatles. Yeah. Literally the same exact drum part, and it's like people that all artists steal from one another. Whether whether it's like Robin Williams taking jokes or like just ha- finding some sort of like concept or premise to talk about or write about. And yeah, somebody might have something close to that, but it's like, it's their take versus your take. And it's like, it's up to, to the consumer, the audience to be like, I like this one better, you know? And it's, it's, it's up to the, the artist too, to be able to get themselves out there. Yeah. Although I think there has been a trend that I've noticed recently, especially with like newer comics where like, like I've, think i've seen at least like three different people recently just like go up and i don't think they know they're doing it but they're basically just like doing popular memes Mm. like and it's like it's like fucking weird man like whatever the popular shit is like the last week or whatever like someone did it like I, i think i even saw this like on reddit or some dumb shit where it was like uh, does anyone know if the Amazon is still on fire? Um, or like, do they, does anyone know if the Amazon is still burning? Cause I want to use my fire stick, and I don't know if like it's working yet or whatever. And it's like I saw that like a million times Thanks. as a meme, <laughs> and then like it's just sad. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, dude. Like, first of all, not that funny, but also like this was like you know. This was shared on Facebook a million times. Speaking of memes, did did the Area Fifty One thing ever happen? Has that already happened? Or yeah, oh it happened God. on my birthday, dude. Like sixty people showed up. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I I I, I, I kind of just was like, it, memes go come and go so quickly that like they their problem was they planned it way too far in advance. Like by no, time, I think that was what helped them. Really? I think yeah, because they got like still four million people usually, to like. Usually, sign when up something for. like that happens, people stop talking about it after a week. You know what I mean? But they had like a date that was like you know it was gonna happen. Dude, Bud Light made special cans for it. Yeah, but you said there was just sixty people. Yeah, like, yeah, like for the raid people, itself, and then some guy ran across like a news broadcast and like did the, Ner- did the Naruto. Naruto run. <laughs> I don't know, dude. When you have something that was like uh, just constantly talked about, it was everybody was talking about it for that much, like four million retweets and shit like that, and then only six people show up. That to me says like, dude, if you would have done, if that shit was been like, if that shit was like, I mean, yo, we're doing it joke. next week. It wasn't a real thing. I know. I just wish it. I just wish it was a real thing, dude. <laughs> and they let me down. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do that. Did they find anything? No. No, no they one didn't made fucking it inside, get no. dude. <laughs> Dude, even if four million people showed up, which would be bonkers, yeah, dude, they'd get the go- like down. we, they would, they would get so fucked. Government would release the UFOs and fucking drop dudes. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, you guys can see UFOs, but you're not gonna live to tell the tale. Dude, you don't think four million people could storm area? Are you kidding me? Easily. 
guess, Four million dude. people, dude. That's a fucking city. A city yeah, of people just like, charging over the hill. Charging They're getting over in the there. hill with just like a bunch of armed guards on turrets. Just being like, just damn, it's just like down. Call of Duty, man. I don't know, dude. If they brought guns too, I mean, but this, I'm, I'm talking about like if it was like a serious I'm thing, about like a revolution, dude. <laughs> That's what I'm I wanted. About a meme. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, dude. Fair enough. Too far. Yeah, dude, you're taking Jesus. this way too literally. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Apologize. Yeah, dude, you better be sorry. <laughs> I was about to fucking jump over this table. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, I do think that the the time constraint helped them, and I think that's what made it big too. Just because it was something that people just continuously talked about, kept making memes for, and like, like I think it became as big as it was because it had a time limit on it. Whatever you say, dude. Damn, dude. <laughs> Struck a chord. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously I didn't give a fight. I didn't know it even happened. I Why didn't you go? <laughs> you should have just gone, dude. Because I don't, I don't care, dude. I mean, I, like, I'm sure there's some stuff in there. Like, I'm sure there's some freaky deaky shit in there. Like, what if there's sure. just nothing? What if there's just nothing in there? And people just, like, made it up. And they were just like... Just Area 51 is just a fake place? Just not... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... I bet the legend is bigger than what it actually is. Because I'm sure once everyone figured out that Alien 50, Area 51 was where the aliens were, they probably moved the aliens immediately. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> For sure. Like, For they sure. wouldn't just keep them there. The aliens are in, uh, like, Bel Air, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. No one... They're like, fucking proving sight. grounds, dude. <laughs> They're eating crabs straight out of the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Like the people you see fishing in the harbor, those are fucking aliens. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to eat that fish. <laughs> Only one thing I know can eat those fish. Aliens. <laughs> well, damn. Well, I don't even I don't even know what to say. Take anymore, a chocolate dude. break, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, can I get a bite of that? The other end. I'm a little. I'm getting a little. You know, over Three my. Three musketeers. Oh, you put it in the fridge too. You have a very interesting candy taste, dude. Like, Three Musketeers, the I like them in the an fun size. candy. I like them in the fun size, but it's just too much of, like, I think, this isn't nougat pretty much marshmallow? Mm-hmm. That's why you like it. That's why I like it, dude. I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a Snickers guy. I thought it was funny when Snickers tried to almost position themselves as, like, some kind of weird fucked up energy bar. And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. it's packed with energy. It's like, dude, it's packed with fucking chocolate and nougat. Yeah. Just stick with that. Like, it has peanuts in it. <laughs> peanuts are good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it Spin is Spin zone on fucking candy. <laughs> yeah, like, all those, yeah, I mean, even, like, the current commercials where it's, like, you know, an yeah. old lady complaining to, like, a young dude. And it's like, come on, dude. Eat a Snickers. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're not, not you when you're not yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good campaign, though. It was a good campaign. It was no berries and cream, though, dude. What was berries and cream? Oh Skittles. My God. Oh, true. Or Starburst. I think it was Skittles, right? I think it was. Or Starburst, was maybe. I don't know. I mean, it was one Skittles of them. It wasn't that good of a campaign. The Skittles <laughs> ones, though, with like all the taste of rainbow, mm. like the guy that's like milking the giraffe. Yeah, those are good. 
Snickers, Milky Way never really went too far with it. Reese's, Reese's is just good. They they kind of just I don't even know what the that's fuck. America's favorite. Um, yeah, they don't need to do much. What's their What's their tagline now? Just like not. I think it's not sorry. Reese's. Reese's not, not sorry. sorry. <laughs> no one asked. What are you talking Sick. about? Sick. Reese's. <laughs> We're not sorry. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reese's. They haven't changed their ads much. It's just a fucking orange background with a fucking candy on it. Because yeah. they know they're the like, shit. You know Everybody. you fucking want this, dude. I haven't met Same a person Same with Coke. That, Coke um, never... They're, all yeah. their commercials are always just random ass shit. And then you'll be it's like, the oh, okay, sheer, they're all holding a Coke, Coke in their hand. <laughs> Twix, that they had a good one with the fucking like, right side, left side. I thought that was imaginative. I thought that was cool. I like when companies do that. You know, Reese's is just clearly too fucking good for that. But they literally are too fucking good for that. I mean, nobody can complain dope. with a Reese's, dude. I mean, that's the best... Arguably, just the most basic, solidest candy. If I had to, if I had to rank them, I don't even think Three Musketeers can afford a commercial. I think Three Musketeers is a perpetual Halloween candy. I'm keeping them alive all these years. <laughs> oh I'm yeah, the only one buying Three Musketeers. I'm keeping a uh, hundred grand bars alive, dude. Hundred grand bars. You guys know what I'm talking about? Hundred grand bars are great. They're actually really fucking good. They're almost so good. I keep Ferrero Rocher alive, I feel like. I always get a Ferrero Rocher when I walk in there because that's like so classy that it's like not even... Don't you get a free one, though? just talking about it. Huh? Don't you get a free one? Uh, do I get a free one? Yeah, oh. I thought, didn't you have like a card for a while? Yeah, I used to be a Godiva chocolate. I had like the... I had this thing where I could get one free chocolate every month. Mm-hmm. And I would literally... My loser 18-year-old self would just walk to the mall and eat one fucking chocolate from Godiva. I'd walk in... <laughs> And like, I'd buy, I'd just be like, "Can I get my free chocolate?" And they're like, "Dude, you are such a fucking loser." <laughs> <laughs> what are you by yourself? Yeah, just walking by myself. They're like, "Dude, it's Valentine's Day. You bought your girlfriend a Camelback. You couldn't. You're in Good Dive and <laughs> And then eventually they just stopped letting me do it. Damn. I would walk in. They're like, "No, yeah, you gotta buy something, dude." <laughs> dude then what's the point of having this fucking? Damn. I come to the mall. I know where to go in the mall to get my free shit. You walk in the mall. As soon as you get off the escalator, fucking Sarku Japan's begging you, yeah. begging you to eat some of their teriyaki chicken. Please, please eat this. They got fucking shots of fucking chicken. <laughs> <laughs> they got like drink girls walking around in fucking mini skirts. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> a f- yeah, absolutely. I do fucking mind. Dude, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sarku, and then hit a uh, bourbon, or what's the bourbon, bourbon street, street or whatever. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hit Ocean City, dude. You know you're getting Polish water ice. Ooh. You walk you walk five streets in Ocean City and get a free sample at every single Polish water ice, you've had a full Polish water ice at that point. Like a rainbow. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Uh, Candy Kitchen does it, too. I fucking love Candy Kitchen with the free fudge. Yeah. Dude, what other free shit? There's nothing uh, like free shit, dude. Yeah, you remember, uh, did you ever, were you ever in the, <laughs> I forget which, I think I did it like Eddie's when I was a kid. I would go shopping with my mom specifically to get, I said, I, I, I think my mom just told me to tell him this. I don't even know if this <laughs> is a thing, but I, I'd always go to the bakery and be like, can I get my cookie club cookie? <laughs> and, then, and then they'd give me like the little rainbow swirl cookie every fucking time. And it was so cookie good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. And, like, I literally only stopped doing it once I was, like, embarrassed enough 
that I had to say that. Like once I turned like eight oh, or not nine, again. No. I turned like eight or nine, and I'd walk up there and be like, Ugh. they just finally <laughs> I can't break through. Like, Listen, kid, I didn't want to break it. There is no cookie club. There's no cookie club. <laughs> There's no cookie club. You saw you're cute, and now you're just kind of chubby. <laughs> <laughs> you are 23 years old. It's time you should know. <laughs> Stop coming here with your mom. It's getting fucking weird. It's weird, dude. You're still sitting on the top of the car, dude. Your legs, <laughs> just your legs cut off circulation. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom is just using you so she can get the fucking cookie club cookie, dude. She's like, fuck, I gotta have another kid. <laughs> nah, dude, I'd never share that shit. I'd like, I would eat it before I even met up with my mom again. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'd like, she'd walk in the store and I'd just run straight to the bakery, house a cookie, and then like try to find her. And then if I, if I couldn't, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to have to go up to the register and have them call her out on the fucking intercom. <laughs> Me and my brother had to do that at fucking Sam's Club one time just because it's so big. Yeah. That's like the most embarrassing fucking thing. Yeah. I remember getting lost when I was a kid. It's Joanne terrifying. Glazer, come to register four. <laughs> it's, embar- it's embarrassing. Your two lonely idiot kids got lost. <laughs> it is. It is. It's Did embarrassing. Did I ever tell you that both. story about uh, this happened recently? Like within the last two years. It was you when got I was lost living at <laughs> no, Sam's Club. I was, no, I was. It was when I was living at on Keswick. So it was like yeah, like a year or two ago. I got a call from my mom, and, like, at the time, she, like, had a boot on her leg. Like, she sprained her ankle, and she was, like, me and your dad came out to Wegmans. Uh, Like, we picked up his car from getting, like, worked on or whatever, and we went to Wegmans, and uh, I checked out, and I can't find him. (laughs) I was, like, what? She's, like, yeah, we called over the intercom twice (laughs) and we can't find him and his car is in the parking lot so he's like somewhere but we can't find him like and i just looked outside he's not smoking it's like jesus christ i like immediately booked it up there like park right next to his car i'm like looking inside it seeing if he's like taking a nap and not to be seen fucking Walk in there, go to guest services. My mom with her fucking boot, like <laughs> she has like eight bags of groceries. <laughs> and I just like start like pacing around the store, but like literally from guest services, I walk straight back in a line, and immediately just see my dad <laughs> just like chilling, hands behind his back, just fucking looking around, just like, <laughs> I mean, like you know, you know like your dad lives for that moment, there, like just sitting. Like, he just wants to get away for a little bit. Like, I'm just going to mosey on down this aisle. Get lost for a little bit, man. Dude, That's what dads live for. Dads do live for that. He sees me, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Like, dude, dad, mom's been, like, waiting for you at the front of the store. She already checked out. He's, like, holding a bag of cheese curls. He's he's like, "I, I went to go get these cheese curls. Your mom was right here. I came back. She was gone. And I haven't left since. He had been standing there for like a half an hour. Just waiting <laughs> just for her to come back and find him. Just like one hand behind his back, one hand holding fucking cheese curls. And then I'm like, dude, she's already like, 
we can, like, you know, let's just go to the front of the store. He's like, she already checked out. Just fucking tosses the bag of cheese curls. <laughs> <laughs> she cannot know this is why I was lost. Your dad just wanted to act natural at that point. Like, he didn't want to look lost. So he's just like, I got to hold on to something while I'm just waiting Dude, here. I was like, you didn't hear them call your name at all? He's like, no. Like, your mom left, like, this is the last place I saw her. Just stayed here. <laughs> she keeps she trying. She had to like walked through the store trying to find him. <laughs> Dude, that's why men need women. <laughs> she keeps trying to force me to get a cookie club cookie, and I just can't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> Eric, I can't do it. Don't tell your mother I'm here. Emasculating. <laughs> Where is Lance with that cookie? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That was a yeah. That was fucking wild. <coughs> well, what you got? You can wrap it up, dude. Yeah, sure. Um, fucking this week, this Saturday, I will be at the State Theater in I think that's in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, I'm just double checking that right now. Yeah, Falls Church, Virginia, the State <laughs> Theater. <laughs> fucking, uh, it's going to be a stacked lineup. Uh, use the code free laughs on the ticket page for a free ticket. Doors at 7, show at 9. And then also, on the 11th, I'm on a roast with the Trap Comedy Roast. I'm on Ben Smith's team. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we're going up He's against good Snow's team. That's going to be fun. Snow's a really good roaster, too, dude. That's yeah, going to be a tough battle. Shit. Um, and then other than that, top secret every second, um, second Wednesday of the month, every fourth Wednesday is hot set at the Crown. Other than that, Jimmy, what do you got? Uh, let's see. This will be Wednesday when we release this. I'll be at Tin Roof, Baltimore, and Power Plant, the only venue in Power Plant I'm still allowed to play, <laughs> uh, 7 to 10. Uh, Thursday, October 3rd, I'll be at Riptide in Fells Point, playing a solo set, 9.30 to close. <laughs> uh, Friday, I'll be at the horse you came in on, doing the much-coveted Friday night slot with uh, Dustin Wiltshire out the house drummer there. I'll be there 10 to close. And then, of course, every... Sunday, I will be at the horse as well, uh, 10 to close, this Sunday included. And, of course, every second Friday of the month at the Point in Taos, and I play with John Burkhart and Joe Niehaus. Um, yeah, it's a good time. That one will uh, yeah. be Friday, October 11th this month. That's 9 to 1. Fuck yeah. John, you got anything to shout out? Dude, I'm here with you guys. Thunder Perfect. Club. Jimmy, every second Friday. We got Chop Tank coming up, too. True, we got Chop Tank that uh, that next Sunday. You guys playing at the elusive Chop Tank? The elusive Chop Tank. Guys, you better come dressed right. Yeah. You better find coming. Damn, dude, Jimmy, you're going to come right. (laughs) 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 Jimmy's not used to having other people being banned from the (laughs) venue other than himself. Jimmy's going to show up in a fucking Ray Rice jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Tim's. Backwards hat. Backwards hat. (laughs) Uh, That should be fun. We're playing right after the game, 4-8. to Hopefully we fucking win, Ravens. Get it to fucking gather. We're 2-2. Shouts out, Ravens. (laughs) Get it to fucking gather, dude. Marvelous. 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 Have a little marvelous, little marvelous night, everybody. Yes, guys. LFTS podcast.
on everything. Manscaped.com, promo code LFTS. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Peace. Peace.